Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. Britain's national newspaper, The Times, named my guest today the smartest and most powerful teenager on the planet and a digital leader of the year. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the show, entrepreneur Ben Towers. Ben, thanks for joining me. It's good to see you again. It's been two weeks and good to be back. Yeah, this is really a treat because we get to delve into more of what you're doing. So for listeners, you and I connected thanks to our mutual friend and also an entrepreneur, Ashish Advani, who's currently leading Junior Achievement, one of the world's largest NGOs preparing youth for employment and entrepreneurship. So at the ripe old age of 11, you started your first business. So would you please share how your life as an entrepreneur came to be? Yeah, sure. So it's an interesting one. So when I was 11, I mean, I always enjoyed computers, I always enjoyed tech. And one of my mum's friends, who's an author, just came to me and said, look, you get that whole internet stuff, so like a term she was using. And do you mind building me a website? And obviously, I think when you're 11 and someone challenges you like that, you want to give it a go. You want to prove them that she's me. I want you to show you yeah, I can do this. So I learned how to build websites on YouTube, literally just watching tutorial videos. And then over time, I was building her that site. She then gave me £50. Now, £50, um, £50 probably worth that about $70, maybe $65. It's a good, it's a good amount of money. And I'm sitting there thinking, this is brilliant. So I went straight to the sweet shop, spent it all on sweets and uh, the rubbish you would do when you were 11. And then eventually over time, I started to do more and more websites. And that then eventually grew into this business. Not knowing it was going to be a business, just thinking it was going to be a hobby to make money. But eventually, um, cut a long story short, by the age of 18, had 26 full-time staff doing marketing campaigns for some of the world's largest brands like IG Hotels, Virgin, based in lots of government as well. Okay, so we're not going to cut to that story so quickly. So you're, you're, you know, a young kid, you're hiring other kids. How do you get the idea? First of all, you're leading kids. So how does that happen? And then you go for some of the biggest brand names out there, which, of course, in hindsight, seems very bold. But share with us what was going on for you. Sure. So, interestingly, so I've only ever employed one person younger than me. So, um, all of my teams over that whole time, as well, people older than me, you know, in their 20s, 30s, and so on. So, that, that is always an interesting dynamic, and you know, there are kind of stories we could go into of interesting experiences where trying to manage somebody when you're that young is hard enough, but I think that's a very similar challenge to what some people might face when they're, they're so different in different ways and so on. So if that be from um, a woman trying to manage an all-male team or a male trying to manage an all-women uh, team or young trying to manage some a lot older, I think there's, there's, there is that general challenge which I think we get. And now often I sometimes think that a lot of that's on you yourself that you think is a bigger challenge than it actually is. And so... I just had to look at it and go, you know what? This is the situation where we want to be the best boss and leader that I can be. And so to set about trying to change that, when it comes to reaching some of these big brands, for me, I've always wanted to push to do the best, whether that be from building the first website to doing full-on social media campaigns. I always wanted to make sure whatever we do is the best we can possibly make it. I don't want to do half things. And so that's how we end up getting in front of some of these big brands because as we started to grow the company, I was speaking at a lot of conferences and events, and that led to me meeting some amazing people in some very senior roles. But for me, the big thing I always focus on, and it still is a big focus for me right now, is everything we do needs to be the best. I think so often people say, oh, we'll just add that to our website, or we'll just add that to the campaign, and then it just sits there. But actually, by really making a conscious effort to make sure that you add it there, but it actually becomes something of value and interest, then from our point of view, helped our clients and realize that potential and led to getting a lot of referrals and past on work. 
That's amazing. And for our listeners, uh, my friend Chester Elton, and I can't remember which of his and Adrian's books noted the research, but one of the top three things about the highest performing teams was this notion and true commitment to seeking excellence, right? In everything we do and every interaction with all of our stakeholders. So bravo for you. So share with us how you, I'm, I'm assuming there were some mentors, helps along the way, a few little slips and bobbles. Talk about, you know, asking for help because a lot of folks in business, that's not the most natural thing uh, to, to seek help. Um, so tell us how you, how you learned that, because I know you have a great cadre of folks supporting you. Yes, yeah, so when I first started out, and I'm still on that journey, I think everyone still is, I think that I was, had to learn about asking for that help, because I think when you're an entrepreneur, especially at that young age, you think you're on top of the world, you think you know everything and so on. So I had to really focus on realizing, actually, I don't. And that came about when, I started to get quite overwhelmed with some of the projects we were winning because it almost cut in a bit still to your last question. It's some of the big contracts we were winning, we couldn't deliver. Let's be honest, there were some massive cam- campaigns I'd can go through, win, and then be like, right, how are we going to actually make these happen? And so what it meant we had to do was then build a team and resources after winning that work to go, okay, how can we get, get this to run? And that... That what that meant is, from business point of view and from my point of view, it made it harder and harder. I was like, oh, okay, now I need to find a way to to achieve what you promised. And so that's where then they started to realise the value and asking for help and building an advisory network. And so something which became really important to me is people who are there just to champion me. So you get I have advisors who are there to focus on the business and help the business grow. Then you have advisors who are there to help focus on me as the entrepreneur, as the individual leading this to make sure that what I'm doing is also good for me and to make sure that I'm doing things in the right way. So having those two types of advisors is really important to me. Now, obviously, when you're young, I think it's quite easy to get hold of advisors because all you have to do is just message them and just be like, I'm a young entrepreneur, do you mind giving me some advice? And if you get on well, take it to the next level. So I use that to my advantage of messaging a lot of people and just saying, Look, can, can we meet up? Can we have a coffee? And over time, I to almost choose my tribe or my community of people who could then support me and then be along my side. Because when you're an entrepreneur, you know, you go through this roller coaster ride of ups and downs and so on. And so having this network of people who, no matter where I was in that roller coaster, I can pick up a phone to celebrate, I can pick up a phone to moan and complain and get help from, then that just helped me keep on that, that pathway. And it's something actually I'd recommend to anyone, if you're an entrepreneur or not an entrepreneur, no matter your background, get that network of people around you who can support you, who can give that advice, that um, that reassurance, but also if you're doing something bad, better ones you can tell you, actually, that's not very good, I wouldn't be doing that. It's like your your some ninja team who support you and you support each other. That's so mature. I'm in awe. <laughs> I learned that decades ago. Ben, when you had, did you ever have a slip up where you thought this isn't going to work? I'm not going to make it. I mean, did you have any periods of real doubt? Oh, definitely. Right. That is a very, very common thing. And um, it's something, I mean, some of the big, one of the biggest times I remember is one of our largest clients moved a lot of their marketing in-house. Not a decision because of our um, marketing campaigns are poor at all. We were reaching the ROI targets and so on. It was purely because they made a business decision to bring marketing in-house um, for, for, for part of what we were doing which was their social marketing side. So I remember just that even just picking up the phone to come to my advisor and just being like, oh my word, like what is the point in doing what I do when someone can make one decision like that and it can quite literally take a third off the company and this is one of our biggest clients here. And so I was like, oh my word. And at that point, I was thinking, oh, well, that's it. It's done. Entrepreneurship's done for me. I'll find a job, be happy, don't have to worry about it. But then, obviously, having those advisors to pick you back up and go, no, come on, go for a walk, get yourself back together, you can do it. And then to get you back on that pathway is really important. That's great. I really appreciate your modeling for folks. Listen, it's, it's, everyone's got the ups and downs. It's totally normal. And to embrace it and to learn from it and, and to be honest um, with yourself about it, first and foremost, is really a great learning for everyone out there. Uh, Brent, let's segue, because it's very exciting what you're doing now uh, with a, a new startup, Tahora Health. And I'd love if you would take us through, um, you know, how you exited and in, in this next new exciting opportunity. 
Yes, so after the last business, I was at the age of 18, and I then exited that company and then started working on what I'm doing now. And now my main focus now is looking at mental health. We're looking at that in a very different perspective. So often we look at mental health from a perspective of, okay, you are unwell, how can we treat you? But instead, my focus and what we're doing in this business is now saying, how can we look at mental health and look at it from a cultural workplace focus, from a lifestyle change perspective, then can enable people to have better mental well-being. So as a business, our main focus is all around building communities within the workplace. About how can we bring people who share interests and have similarities together so you're now not going to work alone. Statistically, 42% of people have no close friends in the workplace. And now it's shocking to think that there's 42% of people, at least, who are going to a workplace feel like they don't belong in that community, don't feel like they have people around them they can be with and you know, to understand beyond that working relationship, that transactional relationship you might have at work. And so that's our big focus here by trying to change culture and make it more community-focused in workplaces, we can then massively tackle mental health, improve productivity, and create a place where people want to be. That's a very noble and needed cause. Say a bit more about the people um, that you may personally have encountered where you see the need, and then you know, how is it working in terms of going out uh, with workplaces and trying to create these, this, this interest um, and the support? So, interestingly, so personally, there's been a number of stories with people close to me, which is one of the reasons why I'm now really trying to tackle this. I've seen family and friends go through some horrible mental health challenges and realising, actually, one of the common things, all very different cases, different things, one of the common things they always wished or desire is that sense of belonging, that sense of community, so it's really about bringing back to the workplace. So when it comes to going into these workplaces, I think with all that's going on right now with COVID-19, it's needing to workplace to really have to think about, okay, what are we really doing to support our staff's mental well-being? What are we really doing to invest in our culture? Because things like that are, become, are becoming such a worry for employers now with all that's going on. So that's leading to us really having quite good momentum at the moment, really being able to... You know, get in front of some of these real large corporates discussing them how what can they do to to focus and I think when it comes to a piece of advice that I almost learned personally from the business is actually people desire or people really want to feel like they belong somewhere they really want to feel like they're a part of something and so often we forget that when they're making teams we're making business decisions we forget the desires of the people and the, the needs that we need. So, obviously, if you ask me about that whole belonging piece, but something that I've really learned just generally running this business is also around that, that side part that it's generally when making decisions is to really take into account the psychosocial needs of individuals. Yes, I, at this time of COVID in particular, I think people are really waking up to the fact that how people feel is uh, is is not only top of mind, it's the essential thing to solve for before people can really do work. Um, and the number of articles each day about are people having trouble focusing and, um, and, and really being whole emotionally is so key. Uh, so can you share for folks who you know, might be interested in this, how, how does someone take advantage of your um, service, you know, like, Share a little bit about, you know, if you're going to give a sales pitch, how, how would that sound? How, what would people be doing within their organizations? Yeah, so it's a mobile app that employees would download. And on that, you've been putting up to three of your health goals and interests. And we then build communities within that workplace of people with similar interests and goals. And by bringing you together, we can then unite all of the workplace wellbeing events, all the content and resources that corporates offer, and bring that all together in one central place. Um, where we're currently at as a business is we're um, mid-development of that product. We'll be in about a month and a half time. We'll then be starting some corporate trials and uh, rollouts. And then later on in the year, um, Q4, we'll be looking at that wider commercial launch and you know, wider launch into more companies. So if there's anyone listening who's really interested to discuss that more, so you would love to chat and to see how that could work. 
Yeah, that would be fantastic. Uh, and I believe the site is Tahora, T-A-H-O-R-A, health.com. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. That's super. Okay, I wouldn't let, be letting uh, be, be doing my job here if we didn't move into the Say It Skillfully portion. So before we get to your question, I, I am curious about um, how you perceive the comfort level of folks talking about the mental health. Is it something that people are like, oh, yeah, we got it. It's not something that it's easy for us. You know, they're kind of comfortable bringing it up. Um, and I'm just wondering how you're handling those conversations, you know, when people are more or less comfortable with a topic that I think a lot of people don't really know um, uh, how to speak about. And I think what you're doing to help it being it into mainstream conversation is really vital. Yeah, very good point, actually. So one of our ways of approaching this is looking at, before we try and rush a member of staff to talk about their mental health and talk about their, maybe it's a case of traumatic experience they might have gone through in, in the past and so on, it's actually saying, no, let's, let's focus on making you feel like you belong before we start to get you to get open up and be vulnerable. So that's our big focus here. And so um, we're less of almost stand up and push and say, go, go and go and tell everyone a story. Instead, we're more about just get you to feel like you belong, get you to feel like you have your network. And then hopefully over time, you'll get to that place of comfortability with the um, tribe and your community that you then want to share what you've been through and want to share what you're currently experiencing and so on. So that's like our big focus is actually spinning it around in that sense. So I wouldn't say we've got much information or understanding around right now about people's desires to want to talk about their mental health because our focus is more about building that community to then open up that mental health. But it is something that I know we've seen that people are quite excited with the idea of being able to build that community to then offline that speak about their more personal issues and concerns. That really resonates um, for me because listeners have heard me say, really, it's the courage to be vulnerable and vulnerability is a must for trust, which is the foundation of our relationship, yet lots of times we skip that at work. So what you're doing is just really creating those vital connections person to person that, um, and for the companies, I think through COVID that have invested in that, you can see, I think, in their results and their ability to be agile, um, a, a yeah. much higher level for sure. Um, well, this is exciting. Uh, let's wrap here with your uh, say it skillfully question or challenge for me. Um, yeah, I think interesting challenge is around how, it's almost like that's what we're saying, is how do you encourage people to be vulnerable with people who seemingly might judge them? I think that's, that's a big challenge we're currently trying to get our heads around. This is part and parcel, so I appreciate you bringing this up. Um, and it's a system opportunity. And I think um, I've, I've worked with folks before and leaders might say, okay, tell me, tell me what you want to hear. You know, they, they put it out there and we can't legislate that other people um, put the olive branch out first. Um, it's not something you can kind of say, okay, we have trust. It's not something you can announce. I think the best thing is for everybody to my modeling it and to be transparent, which is to say, you know, we're here and you know, we're here because we're amazing, unique people, and we really want to be able to hear about each of us and our different stories. And when I've done, even if it's a quick intro for people, um, sharing a bit about their backgrounds, and then maybe asking a question, hey, is there something that you struggle with? And people, what? And so the person who goes first to say, look at I, this, that, and the other. It's not about all the marvelous things I've done. You know, it's not about the fact that maybe you sold your company, but it's about some of the struggles. And when people see other people put themselves out there, they're dying to be who they really are too. I have done countless sessions with groups and people really, they just want to be who they are. They still want to be respective and love for that. And if that's what you set up, that's what we want to hear. And that's what's going to make us so great is if we really harness the full power of us. I've really seen people go there. Um, leaders in particular, I think, always think I got to go first. I, this is an opportunity where folks, uh, when you open it up, you'll be surprised, some of the folks who will chime in um, and what they say. And when we just say thank you um, and honor what we heard, that, that typically has worked uh, really well in my experience. How's that land? Yeah, definitely. I think that's good. Very good. Uh, you've been a, a real gift to um, to join me, Ben. Do you have a 
particular top takeaway from our chat today before we wrap? I think big takeaways around how to really get under the skin of someone. So when when you're talking to somebody, obviously I think so often we just judge someone by by what we see or what we hear. And actually my big takeaway here is I'm looking at, okay, what's actually deeper? What is there to really understand better? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. You know where to find me. I am here for you, always cheering for you. And I thank you, Ben, for joining me and being part of the solution. You take good care. Good. You too. Thank you. Ciao, ciao. Before my next caller, two reminders, other ways to say it skillfully on my website at sayitskillfully.com, the short videos there. Um, and I invite folks listening, if you'd like to call in live, the numbers are 866-472-5790 or internationally, you can call collect at country code 1-480-398-3352. And with that, I am very pleased to introduce my next caller from the East Coast, Connecticut. Matt, Matt, welcome to the show. Hi, Molly. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, I appreciate your uh, calling in. So what uh, situation or tough conversations on your mind today? Sure. So, um, you know, this is a kind of a recent experience that I had uh, where, you know, I, I work for uh, a young person uh, and they... Uh, you know, said that they were were leaving the job, um, and you know they kind of express a lot of reservation around like not really understanding how to have uh, the conversation with someone basically that you're leaving leaving your job, and I you know especially uh, you know if you're in a young career and one day you think that you might be moving on, you know how do you tell tell you know your peers and your colleagues who are you know probably some of them your friends that you're going to be taking taking a job elsewhere. Very good. So um, just a little clarification. So in this new job that we're taking, hypothetically mm-hmm. here, is that a positive experience, like it's a good building thing, or were there some, you know, negative things happening? happening? Just a little bit of context on the situation is helpful. I think, it's a, you know, it's an it's a, it's a upgrade. It's a good opportunity for you, and, you know, and you, you've appreciated your time where you were, but, um, you know, kind of it just has come to an end. Yeah. Okay. That's great. So I think for folks, you know, even if it weren't a great experience and it's great that it is, it's always super, and you've heard, you know, not not to burn any bridges to really take the high road um, and leave on a positive note. Um, I say this also for folks, I think sometimes they don't want to lean into some of the things that they may give an organization as just candid open feedback. I would encourage that when people leave and not to slam anybody, but it doesn't serve the people that are remaining is if you've someone leaving, see something and don't say something, then you're part of the problem. So I do want to encourage openness and honesty, not just, you know, unicorns and rainbows. It was so fabulous. Um, and so I think about the different stakeholders. Um, and I think your own sense is how do I feel about this? And if you are nervous about talking to any of these colleagues, just spending a moment saying, why am I nervous? And, and it may just be like, I'm not really sure what's happening. I'm not sure how they'll respond. Totally valid. We all know we can't control how other people respond, but you can do what uh, is in your you know, best power to, to influence them receiving it well. Um, and so the idea of, I think, gratitude for the time that you've had with people there and how they've supported you, plus a level of um, optimism and enthusiasm, that energy when that comes at you, something that's it's generally well received so you haven't even said a word yet right so that there's a lot of communication that's happened before you've opened your mouth uh, and then i think it's about honoring folks the thanking folks um, and that you are really blessed to have new opportunities that you're excited about you might even share a little bit about you know where where you may stretch your wings how you might want to grow um, and let people know that um and, and, and be really explicit. I, you know, I would love to stay in touch. We'd love to welcome you here. And, you know, whatever your intention is, I think it's important for you to know um, what you want out of it. I would say earlier on, gosh, I wish I had extended more olive branches and created more connections with great people that I had met much earlier in my career. Um, and so I would have wanted to have been more proactive about opening those doors. How does that land for you? 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, kind of one follow-up question I would have uh, would be, you know, how how is this process maybe complicated by the current time? It might be a little harder to show that emotion or enthusiasm over a video chat or, you know, kind of something or just a phone call maybe. That's really great. So this transparency, so that notion of I'm a little bit, so I think that's great to put out there and say, ah, you know, I'm torn in some ways. I'm, I'm really grateful for a new opportunity. And at the same time, I feel a little bad. So being transparent about your emotion, sharing your experience, Matt, whatever that is, is always okay because it's your experience. And um, your ability to say, you know, I'm, I, I'm hoping that I'm not, you know, having anyone sad or whatever you don't want to have happen. It's great just to put that out there and, and see what, you know, if people want to talk about that. Um, is there something that I can do to be supportive as I move on, offer help? Um, I think about this as a no regrets thinking. Like, if you were hearing this from someone, what would you want to hear, right? And which is not to say that they're just like you, but, you know, I think when you, when you put it out there, I know this is a tough time. I, I, you know, I thought hard about this, and I just want this to land in a way that I hope you know that I care about you. And I appreciate this organization, everything that you've done. I know it's a really tough time, but I know staying together, you'll get through it. And I wrote an article recently on, on Thrive Global about that, that, you know, a positivity, not unicorns and rainbows, unrealistic, but just showing that, you know what, we're going to make it. And that's leading. That's leading, my friend, because I think a lot of folks, it, it is really hard for folks who are struggling. And I, I, I hope, you know, folks realize I, I get that it can be really, really dark for folks. Um, we don't necessarily want to drag folks down. We need people who can stay high, who can stay a little lighter, um, show some hope, put their arm around someone and say, look it, we can get through this. We definitely are going to get through this. And, you know, how can I help? And I, and I think that that's a really powerful phrase these days. Even if people don't have an answer for you, that you looked them in the eye, showed that you cared, and, and said, look at what can I do? I mean, I've had a few people reach out, you know, how can I be helpful? And I'm like, that's so nice, right? I'm like, I can't think of anything, but that's so great. Um, and I think that energy uh, from young and old, you know, alike, I think is a really, is a really helpful thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I think my key takeaways are kind of, you know, just, just making sure that, that you're honest and in your approach and, and kind of a, you make sure you, you mean, mean the things you say. Yeah. Uh, if I could um, unpack a little, I'm curious in your, you know, as you come up through your career, maybe you can share a little bit about wh- where you are in life and what you're doing. I'm wondering, you know, what kind of role models you have for communications? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going now going into my senior year of college. Um, you know, I'm going to have a, a corporate virtual internship this summer which will, you know, be a, a unique experience, I imagine. Um, and uh, I, I think that, you know, uh, in, you know, kind of my general life philosophy has just, has just been to kind of be very direct in my communication, try to, you know, just, just discuss things, put it out there, uh, and really just try to, you know, make, make things clear when it comes to, you know, what we expect of each other. That's great. You have a very e. You're you have a nice ease. You know, you're you tell you're fairly casual. It's it's a welcoming kind of thing. So I would think that that works for you. Uh, kudos on the corporate virtual internship. And I imagine there are folks who's either kids are looking for jobs or they themselves have been looking. So would you share if you don't mind how you were able to make that happen? Because that's really great. <laughs> this is a tough time. Sure. To pull so off. well, I, it was. I, I got a uh, you know a spot in a, in a corporate internship program, um, you know, through, you know, the, the kind of normal rec- recruiting process pre COVID. Uh, uh, and that, that process is, is one primarily, of you know, applying for every job you can find, reaching out to as many people as you can networking as much as possible, even if, you know, I, I shouldn't say even if I really mean, especially if you don't want anything from that person, just if the only thing you want, to learn and to hear more about their experience, 
because uh, those people will probably be the most helpful in the long run, you know, when you do need something, if you have that relationship. Um, and then, I, you know, I consider myself very fortunate that, you know, with everything that's going on in the world that, you know, the company I'm working for decided to uh, go virtual instead of canceling or, you know, anything like that. Yay. I love to hear that. That's fantastic. Uh, so I wish you well on that. Are you, um, any questions about the internship or getting started on that before we wrap? Um, you know, I, I, not at this moment. I'm sure that if you call me in a few weeks, once I've started, I will kind of have a better understanding of, you know, what kind of is in line with my expectations and what, uh, maybe I need some help bridging the gap for. Okay. Well, I'm here for you if you need it. I, you know, it is a great opportunity to make the first impression. Um, so just owning that, how you want to come across. And, and one thing I'd just say is when someone gets off a call or with you or video with you, think about what are the two or three things you'd like them to think about you, right? And just think about like, you know, click, what do they think about Matt? And then you, it may help you just ensure that what you're saying and how you're saying it coming across telegraphs that. Um, and that's a, a way, especially in these remote things, you're not bumping into people as much. Um, it is a way to help, you know, people kind of get to know the you that, that you want to be for them. I appreciate that. That is, a, that is great advice, which I'll certainly work into uh, my summer plans. I can't wait to hear more. You know how to reach me. Um, I'm thinking great thoughts of you, cheering for you, and I appreciate your joining me and being part of the solution, Matt. You take care. You too. Thank you. I'm delighted to introduce my next guest, Brandon, who is in Sunshine, Maui, Hawaii. Brandon, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for having me. So, uh, what sensitive situation or tough conversation can I help you with today? Well, man, there's a lot. <laughs> um, I'm not sure which to, which to start with. Maybe I think this one's the most relevant to me at this current time. I am starting my own business. Well, actually I have been starting my own business, but I'm, I'm essentially trying to make my way as a consultant slash digital marketing guy. And uh, I've got a couple of clients right now who I'm helping, but I'm also sort of connecting with people in my circle and kind of hearing what they have going on. And it just seems like there's a lot of people around me who, when I connect with them, they have something that they want to do that's in line with what I want to do. So like creating an accountability group, or I have a friend in New Zealand who's starting his uh, fitness business and he wants to eventually scale it online. And that's kind of what I'm helping uh, businesses do. And I find myself at the end of these conversations, really hearing them out and, and, and drawing out all of their needs and, and, and being able to identify where I could be of service, but delivering that in a way that doesn't feel awkward or salesy. That's kind of been a, an interesting development, I guess. Um, and so I think being able to share like, hey, I'm, I'm willing to help you you know, please reach out and doing that in a way where it kind of instills an excitement maybe or a desire. I think that's kind of what I would appreciate help with. I love this. First, congratulations on going off on your own. Um, so as someone in the same shoes, I'm, uh, I'm excited for you because it's great to be able to be your own boss and, uh, and help people the way you'd really like to. So kudos on that. Thank you. And I think this is a, I think listeners can relate to this because we want to be authentic and helping people. And for some folks, um, and I would say that perhaps those who aren't maybe the career salespeople, you know, it's not, doesn't feel right sometimes to think about um, pitching or asking for money, right? So I think that that is very um, something that a lot of people uh, go through, Brandon. So I would normalize that for you, that you're very normal. And I would put myself exactly in the same category. So, as folks know, really, I think the starting point is within ourselves. So, getting good relationship with yourself first. And I heard, you know, maybe a little bit uncomfortable to, you know, I'll call it pitch. So, let's just start there. What do you feel is going on for you? Are you worried? What are you worried about? Tell me a little bit about that. 
worried. Um, let me think. I, I, it's a little unclear. Uh, I think I'm still figuring it out as I'm doing it. What, cause as I, the more I do it, the more I realize there's a lot of different ways to specialize. And I think that still some of the things that I know in theory are is partly I'm doing this because I want to make sure that that theory is proven and I can create a proof of concept for the business. And so I guess as I'm offering my help, there definitely is a little bit of insecurity about the fact that though I am confident that I can deliver these certain things better than the person that I'm talking to, since I know them pretty well, it's still unproven in some sense. Totally valid. It's great. Whatever it is, is great. And so it's just getting whole with that. I can appreciate it's a bit new. So I think anyone can appreciate that when we haven't done it before, we might feel insecure. I will offer, you have a chance to make a choice, which is to say, okay, we're not saying it's perfect, but you can choose to be more confident or less confident. And that's going to start with you. And I and I would offer things that you have already done, um, perhaps or sports or other things that you've really excelled at. Obviously, you've conquered many mountains, right, Brandon? If you can take that energy and be your best friend and show the confidence within, that's where it's going to start. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So it sounds like uh, leaning on my past successes uh, as a way of as a way of just believing in myself, I suppose. Absolutely. That's because that belief is, is part of the energy folks uh, who have listening have heard. It's all about, you know, how do, how do people feel around you before you've even said a word? So when you come up with them with confident smile, an easy kind of command, right? That's going to affect immediately how they do or don't receive you. So let's control the controllables. That's one of the ones where you could decide, I want to come across um, with however, whatever energy you want. I would offer that, you know, I can just tell you, you're kind, you want to help people. So that notion of service, wanting to help people is fantastic. Like I'm here, like I want to help your business. And by the way, it's not lost on people that we're all in business. And really, for the most part, people don't do things for free. So that's sort of understood, right? I, I don't think that that's anything that's, that should be edgy. Mm-hmm. And I think the ability to be transparent, which is to say, huh, I've been focused on these areas. Um, I've done this before. I haven't, you know, whatever it is that helps you feel authentic about it and just mm-hmm. say, I see a real opportunity here and, and play that out back and forth. And to your creating excitement, you know, when you're excited, you're like, gosh, you could see this. You start to see, are they on the same page or not? Let's say you see all this opportunity. Okay. But someone else you know, who, who's in the business doesn't see that. Well, it's not really your job to convince them they should be excited. If they're not excited about that, that may not be a good target for you, right? A great prospect for you. doesn't mean you don't love them as a friend or as a person, but, you know, you're trying to elicit the information so that you as an entrepreneur, because you have limited time and resource, Brandon, you want to work with the people that are the right fit, that deserve to work with you. So realize it's a two-way um, um, learning journey. So I'll pause for a moment. Is that making sense? Yes. Yes, that's definitely making sense. And that kind of brings up another thing that I've been feeling, and I, I was hoping to test that with you. Is it now an okay time? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, part of what I think I feel in a couple of these interactions that I'm thinking about is that um, I feel like sometimes they, I, I've heard them describe a need and, you know, I, I sort of, I'm sharing how I think I can help meet that. But I also fear, uh, feel a sense of maybe uh, nervousness or fear, um, perhaps like they're in the spotlight or maybe they're intimidated by like including someone else in. Is that, does that happen? I could, I could imagine that has happened. That I, I haven't felt that myself. I think that your intuition mm-hmm. is great. And to think of that as information, and so the ability to say, and I'll just use Scott, Scott, you know, I'm noticing, um, and it, you may just name it, is it a bit of discomfort or a little bit of uncertainty? I just want to pause there. Is there something there? So you're not saying you seem this or that, saying I'm just wanting to, to make sure I'm in sync with you. I'm sensing X. Is that the case? 
Mm. Am I missing something? I want, I want to make sure I'm with you. So when you feel those intuitive kinds of things, that's a voice in your head. It's really a signal to just bring it up and, and deal with it right then and there. Because there probably is something there, Brandon. I'm, I'm sensing that you're something there. And again, the meta skill of curiosity, the energy of curiosity is one of my most favorite and most useful uh, energies. And that is really genuinely this being open, asking questions. That's great to, great to hear. I think sometimes I worry that my question asking can get a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> uh, but I guess it sounds like yeah. the cure is still, hey, when you feel like you notice that, to label the situation and get a little pulse check before moving for sure, on. For sure. And then I offer to folks, if there's something you're worried about, Scott, I, just want to, I'm a, I don't want to come across as I'm asking 10 million questions. I apologize if I am. I can hold back. Put it out there, right? So again, this is this notion of shared reality. When you have transparency between two people, you have the best chance of kind of aligning on where you want to go, right? Is this too much questioning? I can hold back. Oh, no, no, it's great, Brandon. I appreciate your questions. Oh, okay, great. Hmm. Okay. So now, do you want to go anything further here on the actual, um, what you heard, um, how you might want to provide a proposal or not? Are you good with that? No, I think I am. I think that, uh, I, yeah, the confidence thing is, is definitely, I never, I guess, articulated why I might be, uh, feel weird about pitching and I can definitely see I could do a little more internal work on that and be in a much better place. That's great. And know that if they happen to be friends, it's great to be, listen, I know we're friends and we'll always be friends. And this part of it, you just kind of help define the different roles and different relationships because, you know, parents can be friends to their kids and they can be parents to their kids. And some, there's, there's times for both. And again, just offer being explicit with it helps folks uh, ensure that they're both on the same page. Uh, so, Brandon, I'm here for you, and I'm happy to help you further. Um, to wrap now, do you have a top takeaway from our chat? Top takeaway? Mm. I think what I just mentioned about uh, looking at um, just kind of reflecting on the successes that I've had and building the confidence would be the, the most important thing at this point, especially as I'm starting something new. And it feels uncertain and a little bit shaky. Um, yeah. That's fantastic. I am cheering for you, and I know that this is going to work out great. So know that I am confident in you. Um, please don't hesitate to reach out if I can be of more help. And Brandon, I appreciate you being part of the solution and joining me today. Thanks for having me, Molly. This has been awesome. Take care. So our last scenario an HR professional reached out to me about a very tough situation. I wanted to share with you and then talk through how this person might handle it. Uh, this person was very career focused and admittedly to the detriment of their family. Um, so the emotional tug, I think, a bit of guilt there. The department, this HR department had very, very high turnover for many years this person's previous manager wasn't exactly the most competent, so that contract was not renewed. And in the gap period, this person served as the acting manager. No raise, no temporary title, even um, known as acting manager. And then to put fuel on the fire, the two other HR managers also resigned. So this interim person is, is handling the job of the entire department. Probably not shocking to hear there were financial difficulties for the company and they had been laying off over a third of headcount. Now, it was time for the yearly um, salary increase discussions. And this person had the data and with their boss's boss was able to share that the ratio and the way they, they call compa ratio really was just way under, um, under you know, where, where the high performer would be. And uh, the person didn't say no, just said, look at the budget's low, uh, let me see what I can do. Alongside this, the global HR team had recruited a brand new director who joined at a gigantically huge salary, 30% higher than would have been expected, um, which of course for this individual, these events, as you could put yourself in this person's shoes, they were shocked. 
their own engagement decreased dramatically and the sense of, gosh, I've been, here I am, I'm loyal, I'm hardworking, I've got great standards, you know, and it's not paying off and had lost a lot of trust um, in the company and in the management team and just didn't really see anything. There's no reason that this should be going on and was reaching out to me. How should I react? What should I say? Um, it did also turned out that this new highly paid director resigned after a month of joining. So this person now has a chance to self-advocate, I'd call it, and wanted to articulate their thoughts and face the manager's manager with the data and set up a fruitful discussion. Um, and so my thoughts are as follows. I could feel in the writing a lot of disappointment, this notion of just being shattered, right? You've kind of been blindly working, sacrificing your family, and you've been, you know, it, it, taken advantage of it is a, a way that someone could feel. And that's very legitimate. It's also a very difficult place to show up um, and to create something constructive out of. So it's important to, to appreciate that that's all very real. It's a big exhale. That's a let it go. This is your Buddhist moment to just say, look, at, that happened. We can't change that past. And then consider how you do want to show up. I would offer a notion of forthrightness. It's, you know, I'm, I'm no BS here. I'm not being obnoxious, but I'm being forthright. As well as compassionate. Because that boss's boss is going through a lot of tough time with the company, not in a great situation. Um, and I would encourage that a level of positivity in that hopefulness, right? A solution is possible. I'd also ask any individual in these situations to just take a step back and say, what is this worth to you? Do you, do you have to have this job? Um, how long do you want to have this job? And be open about the fact that you're willing to work hard, you're a valued asset, you're good at what you do, and is this a place, you know, do you, do you, you have to stay? And, and be really honest with that because I think that frees one up to realize, look, at, I want to be in a place where I'm appreciated. And I think in this situation, given how tough it is, it's unlikely they, were, they can really lose all the HR department, right? So it might go like this. Um, appreciate your time, uh, as you know, Mr. Boss's boss, this last few months in the department, a lot of turnover. It hasn't been easy for anyone. I hope that you and I can get on the same page about my role and compensation. I believe in the company, um, and I know that you want to do the right thing. Okay, I'll pause here. So you're setting this up, positive intention, a spirit of can do. Okay. I acknowledge your support. You've been really accessible to me. I also can imagine that your work is very challenging these times. Um, and and I, you know, I, I don't know what it's like, but I'm, I'm doing my best to put myself in your shoes. Now, let me lay out the situation as I understand it. And please correct me so that we have the same data that we're working with. Um, so you lay out whatever the data is about the HR and the sequence of events, not in a judging, snarky, or otherwise you know, annoying way, but just New York Times reporting, do your best to be neutral to lay out the scenario. No bias. Lay it out. See, see what the person says. They may start, say, and then just, just in earnest, right in the eye, you know, how do you think I feel with all this going on? Again, not in a snarky way. You know, this is your chance to, if you will, force them to like, oh, what is it like for, for you? Um, another question might be, if others knew this, all this information, you know, to what extent would they think that this is an equitable, you know, situation? If this were public knowledge, would people think favorably or not on us as a company, on us as a department or what have you? So this is the curiosity meta skill, right? You're just asking questions and giving that person a chance to pause and consider, hmm, what does this look like in a more 360 uh, degree way? And then, you know, working with those, you know, what can be done and start to go back and forth in a conversational way um, to figure out what would be a way to, to move forward. And, and then you need to know, obviously, what you're going to be happy with um, and where you're willing to negotiate. Okay, so I hope that is hopeful and, or helpful and reach back out um, if I can uh, elaborate more on that. Um, I'd like to close with um, a few thoughts. I watched last week uh, a CBS special called Bravery and Hope, Seven Days on the Front Line. It takes viewers inside the largest hospital and the hardest hit 
Bronx borough of New York City. And this is the Montefiore Medical Center. It's a Moses campus. Uh, at one point had, you know, almost 700 patients, 800 of them diagnosed with COVID-19. It was very moving for me. I am a bit of a marshmallow. We all know that, right? But it was the best of humanity on display, both heartwarming, heart-wrenching accounts of uh, life and death. Um, per one of the nurses, you know, it's necessary for us to acknowledge that some communities have been touched by COVID more than others. If we don't acknowledge that, we can't fix the problem. So I call it empathetic understanding. It's fundamental to say it skillfully. And what I see missing most in the world, for those listening, uh, with a blessing of good health and time, encourage you to take a peek into others' reality. Um, I'll include the link um, to the replay. Uh, we are forever indebted to each and every first responder and their families and support system. And I have to say, on behalf of my mother, who was a nurse for over three decades, I also want to acknowledge the hospital cleaning staff as those personnel are really part of the front lines of putting themselves in harm's way. Um, if you'd like to show your gratitude, uh, you can donate at this website, Montefiore. It's M-O-N-T-E-F-I-O-R-E dot O-R-G. And there's a COVID fund link. Um, and again, I'll include the replay uh, with the link to the show. And finally, um, I think I've mentioned before that the notion of deep breathing, very slow, deep breathing using your full lung capacity does strengthen your immune system. And we all want even stronger immune systems. So I'll close with my thought for the week, which is in breathing, think about breathing with your whole body, not just your lungs. You need all of yourself to emerge stronger, um, integrate your mind, your body, and your spirit. And I thank you for tuning in. That's a wrap. Please be part of the solution and kindly share the show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too. 